I would like for us, for just a few minutes this morning, to think about the subject of hospitality. Is it chore or is it a calling? There are a couple of Bible texts that I have put uh, in your bulletin, or Jean so kindly put in your bulletin, and I would like for us to touch on them a little bit. But first, imagine with me that you have received fantastic news that you are going to host an important personality in your home. Perhaps it is a note from a celebrity who is highly sought after, maybe of the talk show's variety kind, or perhaps a favorite author, movie actress, humanitarian that you admire, or dare I venture to suggest a beloved pastor or theologian. Since we live in a world full of hoaxes, and since being only human, we tend to lose all sense when it comes for an opportunity to an opportunity to name drop, you get a note telling you to expect a phone call, some kind of confirmation, which you do. And that allays all your suspicions that this is a practical joke well planned by one of your buddies. The date, time, and number of guests are confirmed, and now begins the preparation. Where and how would you start to get ready? Most likely with a scream if you're a diehard uh, fan, followed by shock or the giggles. And somewhere in there, some paralysis or numbness upon realization of how much you would like to do before the visit comes. The monthly budget so closely adhered to month in and month out is cast aside. I am making a lot of noise. Is cast aside. You would probably entertain the thought of recarpeting and repainting the entire house. Even consider buying new dining furniture and silverware. You would wipe every crook and cranny of that house, rearrange the garage that nobody would ever look at, and when it comes to the meal, you would spare neither cost nor effort for a visit that would last maybe an hour. While these efforts might sound exaggerated, even comical, we have all been involved in such situations from time to time when we have entertained esteemed guests. These efforts are indicative that we want to be good hosts, that we want to be hospitable. These efforts, are in, uh, these efforts also uh, and, uh, measure the importance of the person coming and the importance of the person coming in the host's estimation will be directly proportional to the work that you put in for the preparation. But regardless of how much you put in or not, hospitality involves hard work. Sometimes at great inconvenience for a meal that is gobbled up within minutes. But this does not drown our enthusiasm. Some preparations go on for days, just so that at the appointed time, 
we can serve our or we can serve their favorite meal. But we do not stop there. We make sure that everyone is comfortable. The heat is turned up or the air conditioning is turned up. We lock up that beloved ball of fire we refer to as our pet, putting aside our own comfort preferences to accommodate the guests. We want to make a good impression. When the guests leave, we collapse in a heap of exhaustion and wonder if it was all worth it. Or as in some cases it happens, plans for future gatherings are made before departures. I hazard to suggest that sometimes the joy of hosting guests is made possible by that very rare occurrence of the act. This is where we pick and choose when we can do hospitality. After all, we live busy lives. And if one is to demand it of us, it would become a difficult task, indeed a chore. And we would throw our hands up and cry burnout. One definition of the word hospitality says the friendly, it, that hospitality is the friendly reception and treatment of guests or strangers, an act or show of welcome. For most, if not all of us, we have entertained guests who are strangers, people we did not know we had met for the first time. But for the most part, for the most part we are so careful and intentional that we entertain those whom we know on a regular basis. For spending time with people you do not know, strangers, can be demanding and even exhausting. In the Christian Testament, the meaning of hospitality comes from a Greek word that is a combination of two words, which is love and stranger, which means that hospitality properly defined is the love of strangers. Now, a stranger is that person who has no personal acquaintance with or is a newcomer to a place, a person who does not belong to a family, group, or community. A stranger is one who finds him or herself in a strange land or place. So nothing completely, nothing has changed about the individual they find themselves in a place and all of a sudden the identity that they have is of stranger. It is not the person who is strange. This place makes the stranger. To be in a strange place, all of us who have experienced it, is to be at the mercy of others who you do not know and to need that something of an essential nature to the soul called kindness. To be a stranger is to be isolated and lonely while at the same time being among people. Being in a strange land voluntarily or involuntarily is to be in exile, so to speak. And one can rightly say that exile is a difficult place to be. It can be brutal. 
and one is continuously haunted and tortured by the longing for the familiarity of home. Many years ago, when I moved from Kenya, my home of birth, to Minnesota, I experienced this very thing firsthand, being in a strange land. The place was strange. The seasons, oh, the seasons were strange. The people were not just strange, they even looked different. They had different names and they spoke in a different way. Everything about that place spelled strange to me. I had not changed simply because I had flown a few hours. I was the same place, same person, but the place had declared me stranger. However, I came to understand the concept of living in a strange land in a remarkably different way a few years later after I had been in the Twin Cities for a while. I had gathered my, uh, I had made some friends and we had our crowd. And when somebody needed something, we of the in crowd was there to attend to the need to show solidarity. We woke each other up early in the morning or late at night because we worked shifts that were not fit for humans and to give each other rides to work. But the most important the most important act of hospitality in Minnesota for us was that call that came from a friend who needed a jump start in that brutal, brutal season of wind chills that was, that was so cold. They would make a polar bear rethink its orientation. That is a true friend who comes out to make sure that your jalopy can get started so you can make it to work. One day, I went to one of our gatherings, expecting the usual camaraderie, but instead, I was greeted with an unusually chilly reception without explanation. And slowly and unbeckoned, the familia became a strange place which only compounded the pain. It was a familiar place, but it was a strange place. As providence would have it, however, my brother called a few days later. He was, used to live in California, but now he was in a neighboring state and attending a conference. And when we spoke on the phone, he must have sensed something of my being in a strange land. Because before the conversation went too long, he had changed his plans or made new ones and told me that he was planning to leave the conference early and he was going to come and spend some time with me. And as soon as he told me he was coming my way, I started to feel better for his coming was a sort of going to the family of home for me. Upon reflection, I came to realize that his action of kindness towards me was hospitality at its truest, for he sought to bring me home from a strange land. He was actuated by a love for his younger brother and motivated by a deep and enduring relationship with me since my birth. 
He was moved by a cultural and a familial background that binds us so inextricably that my son's proper reference to him is not uncle, but older dad. In deference of our positions of birth, him being older than me. Consequently, his sons, Daudi and Amani, call me younger dad, a cultural way of knowing and naming our relationship. My brother's hospitality was also motivated by a religious and a theological understanding that in a community one can ill afford to kick back in contented luxury or ignorant bliss when one, when another in the community languishes in exile. Thus, the importance of Tess's announcement this morning. In the ancient Near East times, the Torah cautioned the Hebrews to take care of the widow, the orphan, the fatherless child, and the stranger within their gates. Old Abraham, and some would say old Sarah, Land of the promise that he was going to be a father, and later learned that about the fate of Sodom and Gomorrah, when he insisted upon showing kindness to strangers who happened to be divine travelers. And therefore, by knowing the fate of Sodom and Gomorrah, he, with fear and trembling, intervened for his kinsman, Lot. In the Sabbath commandment that we take and keep so well, and we know so well, the stranger, even the stranger, is commanded to be given rest. The Christian Testament in the book of Titus states that the office of bishop or overseer is to be occupied by one who must be hospitable. Now, in case the title of bishop is one that we neither recognize nor aspire to, one cannot forget another Christian Testament story told by Jesus. It's instructive and poignant because Jesus had been pushed by the question, who is my neighbor? And then he told that familiar story. A man, an unfortunate man, was traveling from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell into the hands of robbers who brutally beat him and left him for dead. That is a strange land. First a priest and then a a Levite came by, his countrymen, his proper neighbors, but they kept on walking by. And then a Samaritan showed up, he who was supposed to be the stranger. And this is what the Samaritan did. He changed his plans. He made new plans. He stopped, gave him aid, gathered him up, brought him into safety and comfort, and pledged further help in the future if needed. This parable seeks to move us beyond the dichotomy of stranger and fellow citizen. The stranger is transformed into neighbor, who is to be loved as the self. 
Jesus used the text from the Torah, from Leviticus, which his hearers understood well. And he pointed out that which they already knew. There is no line that separates neighbor and stranger. They are of equal status to the self. Now, hospitality, with all its inconvenient and seeming burdensome demands, is indeed a calling from God. First Peter 4.9 instructs us to be hospitable to one another without complaining. Now that is difficult. This text comes to us in a section where the speaker is encouraging his hearers to be good stewards of God's grace. He encourages us to love one another. Then he goes on to say, and be hospitable without, to one another without complaint. The writer of 1 Peter is doing something interesting here. For first he calls us to love one another with the love of God. That which in the Christian circles has come to be so commonly known as agape. And that is the love of God. The love that is unlike all human love. It is a love pledged for the other before the need ever arises. It is a love that is undeserved and unearned. And its value of the recipient is set by the giver. It is a love that seeks no recognition nor applause. And it is a love that does not require reciprocity or to be paid back. It is a love that is not situational and neither depends on one's mood or their physical condition. Did I have enough rest or not? Am I cranky or not? It is a love that is there ready to hold all who seek it, its, its embrace, without prejudice or purpose of evasion. This is not the kind of love that comes easily to any of us. And though we are to aspire to live to its high ideal, lest we despair, the writer follows it up quickly with be hospitable to one another, in, in which case he's saying, Love in a friendship or a brotherly or sister way to those who, are, those who are strangers among you. To practice our love to one another in a way that is relatable to us. Who have been, who know a thing or two about being in a strange land. A way more accessible to us in our human relationship, in our families. I dare say that hospitality is a love that is akin to the love of God. For it calls us to pledge to use it as God does before the necessity for it arises. It calls us to commit ourselves in becoming givers of a love that is unearned. And there's something about a love that is unearned because it ought not require payback. Or reciprocity. My friend, my friends, one does not need to travel far to be in a far country, in a strange land, nor does one need to travel through a dangerous path to fall among the hands of brutal robbers. Strange land and brutal attacks find us in the midst of our familiar places. To be human is to live in close proximity to a strange land. 
Uh, familiar places, as we all know, can turn on a dime and become strange places. In a conversation at home, in a car ride that seems to last forever, in a thoughtless action at work, a fluke accident at play, or even a careless whisper in our pews. One can be in the throes of any number of situations that spell exile, and none of us be the wiser about our sister's or our brother's plight. But here's what God is calling us to. He's asking us that our hospitality should be one that is bred in an intentionally established cultural, religious, and theological way of knowing and naming. That we are bound to one another so inextricably that we are indeed our brothers and sisters' keepers. We are called to a service of hospitality in our homes, at work, at play, and yes, at church. The mindset of one who is completely swept up in the flow of hospitality goes beyond action to, of the moment to a way of thinking expectantly, a way that holds all in high esteem, even in a climate as we are in of our presidential elections, a mindset that gives the other the benefit of noble intentions. It resolves to remember that we are called to be God's agents of mercy and therefore live like the Samaritan with a readiness to change our plans, to stop and to give much needed aid. It asks us to gather the broken among us and bring them into safety and comfort of the familiarity of home. And if need be, it asks us to commit ourselves to be available for further help in the future. This is a high calling indeed. And it is for you and me, for one and for all. Amen and amen.